It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Well, welcome back to the second session of the book of Colossians. I'm really excited. Again, I mentioned this last time. So excited to dive into this book with you. Uh, last time, we kind of gave a quick overview of Paul, the author, uh, the city of Colossae a little bit, and uh, we we're just kind of walking through a quick overview, and I, I want to finish that up in this session. Again, I just want to take two quick sessions and kind of work through some overview, and in one sense, we're actually looking at the bookends. Uh, we, we were kind of looking last time at Colossians chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, Paul's little introduction, and in this particular session, I actually want to walk through Paul's associates or kind of his postscript uh, that it gives at the very end of the book in chapter four. And the reason I wanted to do it now is I, I want to kind of give you, in my mind, <laughs> I should say it this way, in my mind, this is a part of the, the overview. Uh, there's a group of people who seem to be with him in this uh, house arrest in Rome, and they're kind of hanging out with Paul, and they're encouraging Paul, and they're doing ministry with Paul, and they're all sending greetings to the church in Colossae. And so as Paul works through this, uh, and giving some exhortation, I just thought, well, wouldn't it be interesting, uh, instead of waiting to the very end of the studies to get to his associates, to actually look at that here uh, at the very beginning? Uh, we looked at this last time, but again, the Colossae is in uh, what is Turkey, um, modern-day Turkey. And again, if you're, if you're looking, at the, looking at the screen, uh, this is modern-day Turkey. Ephesus is there kind of in the middle. And there's this group of three cities uh, in this Lycus Valley that runs along the main highway from Ephesus to Antioch. Uh, and again, on the screen, Ephesus is on the left. Antioch is kind of, uh, it's off the screen, but it's kind of to the far right, a little bit south, a little bit. Uh, but if we zoom in on this picture, here again is this three cities of Heropolis, Laodicea, and Colossae. Again, by this point, Colossae is this uh, it was a bustling city. It was a really popular city. Uh, we know that there was at least several thousand Jews who lived there. Uh, because it was originally on the major highway, this was, a, uh, this was a major intersection of the ancient world, and therefore a lot of different cultures and a lot of different philosophies were there in Colossae. But by the time Paul is writing his letter, this is kind of a has-been town. Uh, Laodicea, about 10 miles to the west, is now the big metropolis. And it seems like Colossae is this dying little town which just has a small church. And again, uh, even in the seven letters that Jesus writes uh, in the book of Revelation, Laodicea is mentioned, but Colossae is not. And my guess for part of that is because um, after the book of Colossians and before the book of Revelation, there was that big massive earthquake in this valley and Heropolis was being rebuilt. Laodicea was quickly rebuilt. Colossae just kind of never regained anything. And they just really didn't rebuild the city. And so it's just kind of a dying town. And yet in the midst of this dying little town with a small fledgling church, Paul writes one of the most grand declarations of Jesus in all of Scripture. Uh, we were looking at the outline last time as well. and just want to quickly walk through that with you. Chapter 1 and 2 is the theology and the doctrine. Again, chapter 1, I'm calling the preeminence of Christ proclaimed. Chapter 2 is the preeminence of Christ protected. Uh, where he's giving the warnings of the, uh, of the false teaching. Chapter 3 and 4, I'm calling the preeminence of Christ practically lived. And again, if you want to walk through those in details, you can go back to the previous session and uh, kind of listen to through those. Uh, what I want to do in this particular session rather quickly 
is kind of go to the very end of the book itself and look at this postscript, this kind of this final conclusion of Paul writing saying, hey, so-and-so says hi, so-and-so says greetings. And I really want to quickly talk through uh, the people who are with Paul. Uh, it's interesting as you work through the book of Acts and the letters that Paul wrote, uh, over a hundred people are specifically mentioned by Paul or who hung out with Paul. Uh, the biggest of those that I know of is in uh, Romans chapter 16, where 26 people are mentioned in that postscript. And in our book, Colossians, uh, there are nine specific people who are mentioned as being with Paul. And then at the very end, there's a couple other people kind of mentioned saying, hey, tell so-and-so hi as well. Uh, what I'd like to do with you is read through Colossians chapter 4, verse 7 down through the end of the book, uh, verse 18. And then what I want to do is kind of work through really quickly uh, just what we know about each of these characters uh, who are with Paul. Again, this is just kind of setting an overview, a background uh, of just the book itself and who's with Paul as he's writing this incredible letter. So let's read this. This is Colossians chapter 4, verse, eight, uh, verse 7 through 18. Paul writes this, Titicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow slave in the Lord, will make known to you all my affairs, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Anisimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will inform you about the whole situation here. Uh, our artist, this is such a hard word for me, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you his greetings and also Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And also Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision, and they have proved to be a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of your number, a slave of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings, always striving for you in his prayers, that you may stand complete and fully assured in all the will of God. For I testify for him that he has a deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea and Heropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his greetings and also Demas. Greet the brothers who are in Laodicea and also Nymphia and the church that is in her house. And when this letter is read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And you, for your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. And say to Arapus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. The greeting is in my own hand, Paul. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Hi, again, it's interesting that he's listing so many people in such a tiny little book. And again, it seems like there's, this was quite the, uh, quite the collection of characters. Uh, what I want to do, as I already mentioned, is a walk through the, the people we know uh, who are here with Paul. The first one being Timothy. Uh, he comes in chapter 1, verse 1, Paul and Timothy uh, in the book. Uh, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. Uh, we know that Timothy was often with Paul. And uh, if, you're, if you're interested, you can look up these verses. And by the way, these will be in the, the kind of the, the resource guide that I have with this particular session. Uh, but 2 Corinthians 1.1, Philippians 1.1, 2 Thessalonians 1.1. Seems like Timothy was often traveling with Paul. Uh, we know from Acts 16 that he had a Gentile father uh, and his mother and grandmother were godly Jews. We also know that he learned uh, the Old Testament scriptures uh, from his godly mother and grandmother, according to 2 Timothy 3.15. And in Acts 16, uh, Timothy joined Paul in Lystra during the, his second missionary journey. And it seems like uh, he just kind of traveled from that point on with Paul on his journeys. 
Uh, we know that eventually he was sent by Paul uh, to several different churches. And Paul wrote two of his last letters, First and Second Timothy, to this young mentoree uh, that he had. Uh, in this final section, uh, he mentions Titicus uh, in verses 7 and 8. Uh, we know in Acts chapter 20, this is uh, one of the seven people who left Ephesus with Paul uh, when Paul was being kicked out of Ephesus. Uh, according to Ephesians, Acts, and 2 Timothy, uh, he was a faithful minister, and some even presume that he may have been one of the pastors in the city of Ephesus. Uh, Paul says that he is actually sending this letter, Colossians, along with Philippians, Ephesians, and Philemon, uh, with Titicus and Onesimus, um, as they're traveling back about the 1,200 miles from Rome to this region of Ephesus and then this Lystra Valley area. Uh, later, Paul would send Titicus to Crete, according to Titus 3.12, and then eventually to Ephesus, in sec uh, which is mentioned in 2 Timothy 4.12. Uh, and I love the fact that in our passage, he's called beloved, he's called a faithful minister, and he's called a fellow servant. And isn't it interesting how rare, or maybe this is more sad, not interesting. It is sad to me how rare those three things come together. Someone being beloved, a faithful minister, and a servant. Some people really love, are loved, and yet they may be a minister, but rarely are those people servants. And yet here's just this guy who just, Seems like he's pouring out his life. He just has this overwhelming love for Jesus. He's just like, oh, how can I serve? And just, he is so gracious and kind. And Paul thinks very highly of him, obviously. Uh, with him is mentioned Onesimus. Uh, we know that Onesimus is from Colossae. He's actually the slave of this guy named Philemon. So if you read the book to Philemon, Paul is actually addressing the fact that Onesimus, this slave of Philemon, had ran from Philemon and eventually found Paul. Now, we, <laughs> we don't know how on earth he found Paul. Was he looking for Paul? It seems like Paul already knew Philemon. They've had some interactions. But somehow Onesimus makes his way. He's in Rome, finds Paul, and is a great blessing to Paul's life. And yet Paul says, look, you need to go back to your master, Philemon. But he writes the book of Philemon saying, uh, Philemon, treat Onesimus how you would treat me if I showed up. And it's just an incredible book. And in fact, I would encourage you to read the book of Philemon. It's just a, just a few verses, uh, almost as a parallel or an, uh, an extension of this one, realizing that Onesimus is going back with his, with his papers saying, okay, I, I could be beaten by Roman law. I could be killed by Philemon. And yet here I am, I'm a believer now. And Paul is sending me with this letter of commendation to my master. I just, oh, I just think that's so interesting. I also find it intriguing that in our passage in Colossians, Paul doesn't mention the fact that he's a slave. He, he just talks about the fact, look at this again. Uh, this is in uh, chapter four, verse nine. He says, Onesimus, who is our faithful and beloved brother. So again, he's, he's, he's elevating him from the level of a slave and bringing him to this place of saying, wow, he is, he, he is actually a faithful brother of ours. So he's not just some mere slave anymore. Whoa, he's one of us, kind of an idea. I just think that's absolutely beautiful. And uh, with Titicus, he delivered the letters again of uh, uh, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, uh, and Philemon. Uh, by the way, uh, I found this really interesting. Uh, John Knox brings out the fact that him and a few other scholars seem to suggest that he, Onesimus, uh, was probably the one who collected the letters of Paul and eventually became the, the Pauline corpus or the letters that we have of Paul. Uh, that as, as 
Uh, here he is in Colossae. He has some of these letters, and as they were being copied, he was gathering them together and making sure that we weren't losing them. And again, what, you can do whatever you want with that. I just think that's really intriguing. Uh, the fourth guy mentioned uh, is uh, Aristarchus uh, in verse 10. Uh, we find out that he's a fellow prisoner with Paul, uh, that he was from Thessalonica, which was in Greece. Uh, that was in Acts 27.2, that's mentioned. He accompanied Paul on his third missionary journey. And uh, when the big uproar in Ephesus was taking place, uh, he was right in the middle of that with Paul. So he was, he was risking his own life with Paul in this big uproar in Ephesus, uh, which happens in Acts 19. Uh, he sailed with Paul to Rome. Uh, when, when Paul was going from uh, Caesarea in, in Israel to Rome, uh, Aristarchus was with him and was in the whole shipwreck thing and you know, on that island where Paul gets bit by a snake. So, so this guy is with him this whole time. And he's mentioned in Philemon uh, as a fellow worker with Mark, Demas, and Luke. And uh, some scholars even suggest that he may have been a part of the upper class, the way his name is. Uh, he kind of has this upper classman, this upper uh, escalon. Uh, uh, that's not even, <laughs> I don't even think that's a word. But he's, he's the upper crust of society. Uh, kinda, he's one of those kind of guys. Uh, with him, again, is Mark, mentioned in verse 10. Uh, he's mentioned as a fellow worker with, again, uh, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke. Uh, in the book of Philemon, uh, we know that he is the nephew of Barnabas. And again, I, I find the whole story of Mark so intriguing. Uh, John Mark, uh, some, some scholars really think that the upper room scene that Jesus had where he washed the disciples' feet and took, took the Last Supper was probably at John Mark's house in Jerusalem. Uh, we know later in the book of Acts that the early church was meeting in John Mark's house with, his, with uh, John Mark's mother, uh, that, that's where Peter, when he got out of prison, went to. He went to John Mark's house. And uh, it's interesting to me, and this is speculation, but a lot of scholars seem to suggest that in the book of Mark, when you have the, the scene where Judas comes to, the, comes to betray Jesus, uh, Mark's account, there is this cameo appearance. There's this unnamed character where uh, Judas goes to get Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and this young man shows up, uh, seemingly half naked. <laughs> One of the guards grabs his tunic and the boy runs away naked. And it is such the, it is the most weird, <laughs> it's, the, it's the most weird statement in, in the Bible. Maybe not the weirdest, but it's definitely up there as weird. Uh, and a lot of people think it may have been actually Mark. And again, the idea was, is if they just had the last supper in John Mark's house with his mom, uh, Judas did not know that they had left. And so presumably Judas took the coalition of the soldiers back to the house to get Jesus. And he gets there. Oh, Jesus is in there. So they start making their way to Gethsemane because that's, hey, that's where Jesus always hangs out in Jerusalem. And John Mark, you know, it's the middle of the night. He wakes up, he answers the door. Judas is there, sees all the soldiers. And probably out of a concern, he's like, oh, I got to warn Jesus. And so he sneaks another way to, you know, to get to Jesus. Gets there a little late. Oh no. Uh, but you know, he woke up in the middle of the night. He's half dressed. He's just wearing a pair of boxer shorts. And uh, some soldier grabs the shorts and he flees naked. Uh, so some, some scholars seems, seem to suggest that the reason that's only in the book of Mark is because he wrote himself in as a cameo appearance, just didn't name him, just didn't name himself, which if that happened to us, I don't think we put our name on that either. <laughs> or at least I would not put my name on that either. Uh, but, <clears throat> but Mark accompanied Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. And as, as they're traveling along, uh, it says in uh, Acts 15, that Mark left Paul and Barnabas in Pamphylia. 
So somehow the, the pressures or somehow he got word from Jerusalem, something happened that we don't know about. And Mark just abandoned Paul and Barnabas on their missionary journey. So when the second missionary journey comes around, Barnabas really wants to take Mark with him. And Paul says, I'm, I am not taking Mark. He abandoned us. I, he's not coming with us anymore. And Barnabas and Paul get so frustrated with each other. They're in this huge argument about whether or not they should take Mark. And of course, Barnabas is standing up for him because he's his nephew saying, hey, we can, hey, he's worth it. Let's, let's trust him. And the argument resulted in the fact of Barnabas and Paul separating and Barnabas took Mark on a missionary journey. Paul took Silas on a different missionary journey, which was Paul's second. But eventually, it's interesting, uh, Mark became good friends with Peter. In fact, the, the gospel of Mark is actually Peter's gospel. Uh, Mark wrote down Peter's, Peter's account. And by the end of Mark's life, we know that he obviously matured. Uh, he was a, a great blessing to many people. In fact, Paul, at the end of Paul's life, several times says, man, Paul, uh, Mark is such a blessing to me. Oh, in 2 Timothy, he mentions the fact that uh, he's greatly loved, he's trusted, he's endorsed by Paul. And here, even in our passage, uh, Mark seems to be with Paul in Rome, uh, which I just think is just beautiful and just a phenomenal thought. Uh, another guy uh, hanging out with all of them is this guy named Jesus, who's also known as Justice. Uh, it is interesting that he has the two names mentioned, and it probably would make sense since uh, if your name was Jesus, which was a very common name in this culture at this day, it's the same name as Joshua, but yet you become a follower of Jesus, you probably just don't want that name because you want him to have that name. And so uh, he's also known as Justice. Uh, it's also intriguing, by the way, that a lot of characters uh, had two names. For example, John Mark, uh, Saul Paul, uh, Jesus Justice. And uh, what we know from that is is that typically you had, if you're a Hebrew, you had the Hebrew and a Roman name. Uh, for example, Saul uh, is Paul's Hebrew name. Paul is his Roman name. And so what you see in the book of Acts is when he's dealing with the, the first part of, of his account, he's dealing with all the Jews, he's known as Saul because that's his Hebrew name. But when he starts dealing with all the Gentiles and the Romans, uh, they call him Paul, which, which makes sense. So he did have a name change, but it wasn't a name change. It really, he just, he goes by both. John Mark's the same thing. Uh, his name's John. Uh, that's his Hebrew name. But Mark is his, his Gentile name. Uh, Jesus, right? The name Joshua would be the, the Hebrew name here. Uh, Justice would be the Roman name here. And there's a lot of people we know uh, from antiquity uh, who had both names and would use both names. So uh, do whatever you want with that, I guess. <laughs> uh, but he's mentioned in verse uh, chapter 4, verse 11. And then there's <clears throat> three other characters that are mentioned. Uh, so all the ones I just mentioned uh, were Jews. Uh, Timothy Pye being the only one that was half Jew, half Gentile. Uh, but then there's three other people that are mentioned that are not Jews, that these were Gentiles. The first one being Epaphras here in chapter 4, uh, verse 12 and 13. He's also mentioned all throughout chapter 1. Uh, <clears throat> we know he's from Colossae. Uh, he's from this Lycus Valley. And as I mentioned in the last session, uh, what seems to be the speculation from scholars is that when Paul was in Ephesus in the third missionary journey. Uh, he, was in, he was in Ephesus for two to three years. Uh, it says in Acts, that, uh, Acts 19, verse 10, that all of Asia, right, all of Turkey, had heard the gospel because Paul was preaching in Ephesus. In other words, being the, the major seawater port, Paul's preaching in one place. Everyone was bringing their, their goods there, and then they would go out from there. 
So here they are, they're coming in, they're hearing Paul, they're getting saved, and then they're going out on, you know, and, and dispersing their goods. And as they're dispersing their goods, they're, they're taking the gospel and spreading it to the world. Seems like Epaphras was one of those guys. That here he was in Ephesus and he heard the gospel, comes back to his hometown and just oh, starts a church in Colossae. And a lot of scholars even think that he probably started the churches in Laodicea and Heropolis as well. And it, it says in verse 12 and 13, if you have your Bibles, it says, Epaphras, who is one of your number, so right, he's, he's of Colossae, he is a slave of Christ Jesus. He sends you his greetings. And get this, he's always striving for you in his prayer that you may stand complete and fully assured in all the will of God. For I testify in him, verse 13, that he has a deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea and Heropolis. So in other words, uh, he's, he's the pastor of this area. He seems like he's going around. He's just, he's just so burdened for these three churches in this Lycus Valley, Heropolis, Laodicea, and Colossae. Uh, the other, one of the other non-Jews is Luke. Uh, he's called a fellow worker in the book of Philemon. Uh, we know he's a beloved physician. Uh, he wrote the book of Luke. And again, he wasn't one of the original disciples. And yet uh, later on, he's writing an account, the, the book of Luke. And then he writes the book of Acts as well. Uh, and we know that he likely joined Paul uh, starting in Acts chapter 16, in part because in the book of Acts, they start uh, the way that Luke writes the book of Acts. He's saying they and them and you and all that kind of stuff. But in Acts chapter 16, uh, he switches the pronouns to us. And so it seems like he probably started joining Paul. And then he, uh, as far as we know, he was there uh, all the way up to the point where Paul died uh, in Rome. Uh, so Paul's mentioned there. And then lastly is this character by the name of Demas. And in verse 14, <laughs> Paul almost as just as a side thought says, and also Demas. And he's kind of given this little quick reference. Uh, he's also given a quick reference in Philemon 124. But it is interesting that by the time you get to Paul's last letter in 2 Timothy, uh, this is 2 Timothy 4, verse 10 and 11, uh, Paul is in his second imprisonment. Uh, he's about to be beheaded, and he writes 2 Timothy uh, to Timothy, obviously. And he mentions Demas in that letter, and he says that Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. In other words, it seems like, yeah, Demas was here, but as, as, as Paul was approaching his death, it seems like Demas just got lost in the worldly thing. Uh, Demas just got lost in, in the pleasures of this world. Demas just kind of forsook the reality of the gospel and just embraced the world and ran off to Thessalonica, which is just deeply disheartening. Now, at the very end of this, of this uh, chapter, uh, Paul mentions a couple other people. And he, again, in verse 15, says, Hey, greet the brothers in Laodicea and Nymphia and the church in her house. Uh, read the letter of Laodicea. Make sure they read your letter. <clears throat> Verse 17, he says, tell Oripus, uh, 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 take heed to the ministry. And then, hey, greetings. And he, he signs it as it was very common in his day. Uh, he had someone write his letters, but then he signed it in his, his hand. He wrote, Paul, uh, remember my chains. So I say all that to say, I really wanted to look at the bookends in these first two sessions. Again, these are shorter. We're going to get dive in more. They're kind of the next several sessions as we're working through this are going to be a little bit longer as we're actually diving into the text itself. I am so excited. But I wanted to give an overview. I wanted to talk about Paul. I want to talk about Colossae. And I just kind of felt like this section in terms of his, the people who were with him made more sense on the front end. Uh, again, I'm not going to look at this again at the end. 
and we're actually going to, just going to finish the book. Uh, the last session will be uh, the very end of, uh, sorry, the last session we're going to be together is we're going to be finishing with verse 6. Uh, so I wanted to just kind of at least mention all these people who are hanging out with Paul. Can I encourage you again to join me in this study? And uh, again, I, I would so encourage you and I'd be so blessed if you wouldn't just listen to these sessions. Uh, there is so much content available today. Uh, there's so much information that we have access to, but it is so different just listening to something versus actually diving in and studying something for yourself. And so again, what I've been doing is I'm creating study notes and a study guide and some bonus resources to help you not just study the Bible, but know how and why that's important. And so if that intrigues you, can I encourage you to either go to the link that's below this video, or if you're listening to the podcast, there should be a link in the show notes. If you would click that, you can sign up and, and we'll make sure that you uh, are emailed all the, all, the, all the notes as we're walking through this. There's going to be notes read to the sessions that I teach, as well as study guides for you to actually study ahead and prepare for the session that's upcoming. I would so encourage you to do that. And get engage with the text and wrestle with the truth because when we engage and wrestle with God's word, that's what changes our life. We can hear a lot of things and we can nod along and go, wow, great, great message, praise the Lord. That's very different than you wrestling and handling that truth yourself. If you don't have time for that, hey, that's fine. I, I, I get that. Would you at least be reading through Colossians with me? Uh, just be rereading it and re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-re-reading it. <laughs> just keep going and, and see if you can read it every week. Or if you have time, read it every single day. It'll take about 15 minutes. Or flip on the audio Bible and just read through Colossians as quick as you can. Because I just, I just want you to live in this thing. I just want you to soak in it. And if you have time, read it multiple times a day. Regardless, will you join me in pursuing Jesus? The big theme of Colossians is that Jesus is to be first place in all things. And that's not just a good theory. That is to be the reality of our lives every moment of every day. So I hope you will join me in this incredible study. And next time we're actually going to dive in, we're going to be looking at verses, uh, starting verse three down to verse eight. I'm so excited to be looking at this incredible book with you. Uh, but let's just pray. And uh, I'm just, oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> let's pray. Lord, we love you. Uh, thank you for your word. Thank you uh, that Paul had a burden for such a small little church. And Lord, I just, uh, I, I thank you for dear friendships. And as Paul mentions all these people who are with him and an, an encouragement to him and an encouragement to the church in Colossae, Lord, I pray that we would be such people in this generation, uh, that we would be ones that would build up and encourage those around us, that we would be the ones that would encourage our churches, no matter how small or big they are. And Lord, I do pray that the reality and the truth of this book would come to fruition in our lives, that that you would have first place in all things in our lives. Lord, you are so good and we love you. Thank you for the opportunity to study your word. We just give you the praise and the glory in your precious, powerful name. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellersley.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.